Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. Pay inequity is a real issue. I feel like not only in my lived experiences, I've tried to do all the right things, right? I went to undergrad, went to graduate school, got all this experience, and still experience pay inequity um, as an Indigenous woman being the primary breadwinner. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I think we came to a point where we just had to to create these solutions and space for ourselves. We had seen lack of representation of Indigenous people in many different spaces, whether in finance, nonprofit, philanthropy. So we actually created Native Women Lead because we weren't seeing other institutions or organizations that were supporting our people. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Good morning, Well Women. On the Well Woman Show this month, we're celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women in recognition of International Women's Day and Women's History Month. Whether deliberate or unconscious, bias makes it difficult for women to move ahead. Knowing that bias exists isn't enough. Action is needed to level the playing field. One of the issues you'll hear a lot about this month in the media and other places is the gender pay gap, the fact that women still earn less than men for the same work. But we can't talk about this without naming how race and ethnicity compound the gender pay gap. According to a 2020 analysis by the Institute for Women's Policy Research, the median annual earnings for full-time year-round work for Native American women was just 60% of white non-Hispanic men's. This year's International Women's Day theme is Break the Bias, and the campaign explores the daily challenges still faced by women in the workplace and society. We'll talk about all of this and more today on the show with Jamie Glochet. Jamie is the co-director of Native Women Lead, where she co-leads key efforts in capital expansion, fundraising, and advocacy while leading program design, international development, and evaluation oversight. Jamie currently serves on Up Together's board of directors, is a partnership committee member for Community Credit Lab, a CEO activator, an advisor for Angels of Impact, and an emerging fund manager for the 2022 Purpose Futures Fellowship. Jamie is also a facilitator for Kindle Project's Indigenous Women's Flow Fund and is supporting faculty for the trauma of money. Previously, Jamie led Accion's Native Lending Program, managing a portfolio of over $1 million and supporting the development of Nusenda's co-op capital initiative to pilot relationship-based lending. In 2019, she was appointed to lead the Tribal Subcommittee for the State of New Mexico Census Complete Count Commission, which activated an $11.5 million state investment to ensure a 2020 complete count. Jamie holds a BA in Native American Studies and Political Science and an MPA in Public Management from the University of New Mexico. Jamie is a citizen of the Navajo, White Mountain, Apache, and Kiowa nations. She is the mother of three residing in Tiwa territory, and she enjoys hiking, being on her ancestral homelands, and reading to restore. On the show, we'll discuss the gender pay gap, especially in Native communities, and how we can challenge bias impacting Native women. 
You can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 282 show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy, your group coaching experience at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. Join us in the Well Woman Academy for community mindfulness practices and practical support to live your well woman life. Now to my interview with Jamie Glochet. I'm speaking with Jamie Glochet this morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Jamie, I want to just start by having you share with listeners, who are you in the world today? Oh, thank you. (laughs) I like to say that I'm a matriarch mobilizing. What that really means is I'm I'm feeling like I'm stepping into this space and time of, of, I guess, my life as a woman, as a mother, as a mover and a shaker to really mobilize resources to the communities that I'm reflective and care for. Mm, Okay. I love that. And what are you working on right now and how does it impact women's lives? So I am a co-director for Native Women Lead. We're an organization that supports Indigenous women entrepreneurs and leaders. And I'm working on on actually a number of things there. I lead the access to a number of funds that meet Indigenous women entrepreneurs where they are in their journey, while also challenging the current financial systems that we feel are doing underwriting in a very exclusive way that actually prevents a lot of the entrepreneurs we serve with systemic and structural barriers to actually access capital. So we're looking to develop our own capital tools within Native Women Lead. I also lead the program design of the organization. So we're launching 36 virtual sessions this year and um, potentially a hybrid event, COVID of course permitting. And what else? I do a lot of the evaluation oversight with the organization, which I guess blends into the data research part that we do with our community. I've always been continue to do a lot of fundraising for the organization as well. So Jamie, I'm really interested in a lot of what you just mentioned, and I'd love to just pick up on um, how you are as an individual, as a leader, and then in your organization, really addressing those systemic barriers that you talked about. Um, I think this is obviously so important and it's on a lot of people's minds, but it's not always clear how do you do that? Like, what are the mechanisms for, um, for addressing those? I think we came to a point where we just had to, cre- to create these solutions and space for ourselves. We had seen lack of representation of Indigenous people in many different spaces, whether in finance, nonprofit, philanthropy. So we actually created Native Women Lead because we weren't seeing other institutions or organizations that were supporting our people. That's essentially how we got started with eight Indigenous women sitting around a table saying, how can we not only support ourselves, our families, communities, but also the network and community of Indigenous women entrepreneurs that we were in community with. So we created our own space, which was the Native Women's Business Summit. And then through that, we asked our community what the challenges and barriers were. We identified those and started creating programming as well as capital tools to meet those needs. And were you surprised by any of the challenges and barriers or was it reinforcing what you already knew? It was definitely reinforcing what we already knew and were experiencing. But I think the 
magnitude of it was really surprising. And the ripple effects of those barriers and challenges, we could see how that was actually being felt and, and lived every day. So that was that was really interesting. And I wanted just to add that with addressing these challenges, not only creating the organization to be reflective of our community needs, we've had we've seen where on a personal level, like an individual level, there are challenges and barriers because of scarcity and people being in survival mode that we have to address financial trauma, for example. At a family level, there's there's family structures that also have to be kind of recognized community level, systems level. So it's it's really interesting. Like we have to kind of problem solve within those different layers. Um, to break down those barriers and challenges, not only within our own selves and communities, but then externally as well. Yeah, that's such a great point because a lot of the tools and resources available are only really accessible if if you already have some some of the other things taken care of, right? And so you're addressing the challenges at all levels from, from individual to family, to community, to systems. And I wanted to ask you about the gender pay gap, because we are like, we're right at the beginning of Women's History Month. And there's a lot of information being shared about pay equity, about gender equity. And I just want to talk to you about how, you know, obviously race and ethnicity compound the gender pay gap. If we look at an analysis by the Institute for Women's Policy Research, the median annual earnings for full-time year-round work for Native American women was just 60% of what white non-Hispanic men earn. And so I just wondered if you have a response to that. And are there other data and sources of information that you're using that you would like to share or talk about? Thank you. Pay inequity is a real issue. I feel like not only in my lived experiences, I've tried to do all the right things, right? I went to undergrad, went to graduate school, got all this experience and still experience pay inequity as an Indigenous woman being the primary breadwinner. So to your point, it is a big issue. And we see entrepreneurship as one pathway to women self-determining their own pay and advocating not only for themselves and their communities for living wages, but it is a, a definite challenge and barrier. Other things that we highlight within our organization is we're also seeing that in addition to the pay inequity, Native women entrepreneurs are growing businesses twice as fast as any of our counterparts. We also are highly invisible. So we represent less than, I think, 1% of the U.S. population. So we're oftentimes challenging erasure and negative stereotypes about our people. I'm also... We also see that Native women are the primary economic stabilizers in their communities and families. So two-thirds of us are the, the breadwinners and the breadmakers, as I always say. And that, to me, is very compelling because if we're the key economic stabilizers and income earners in our families and communities, but we're only getting paid 60 cents on the dollar, that further exasperates the wealth gap, the racial wealth gap that exists, poverty that exists, and all of those resources that that may just not be enough at times for for to get people to have a, a decent standard of living. Yes. And I love that breadwinners and bread makers, because yeah. that just really sums it up, doesn't it? In terms of where you see your community spending, like their energy, you know, the energy is going to breadwinning and, and bread making. And Jamie, this year's International Women's Day theme is break the bias. And each year they have a different theme and the campaign explores, you know, the challenges that 
women still face in the workplace and society and really opens up the discussion about changing perceptions and moving the conversation forward to create change. How is your work sort of intertwined with that? Like what what would you say about you know, what, what is the bias and what impact does it have and how do we challenge it? I think for me, when I think about bias, I think it's oftentimes an inability to see from someone else's like perspective or lived experience. We kind of have our own bias, right? And and our own lived experience that we operate from in our worldview. And for me, I think that can also be really uh, limiting because what we're what we're trying to do actually is in in the narrative change and and the uplifting of our community really frame our story from a place of strength and for us what we've been really i think great about or or trying to push on is to show within our own community that we've always been incredibly entrepreneurial as people for thousands of years over thousands of miles and cultures and communities and and even challenge that business can be done in a way that is honoring of people and planet, non, non-exploitative, non-extractive. And then we're also weaving this, I guess, what it's innate to us in our communities and cultures around matrilineal societies and how women have and continue to hold positions of power and leadership. So with, within that, like we're challenging bias to say that there's the matriarchy here and has been especially when we're seeing patriarchy show up in a lot of, I guess, systems and, and, and structures that have actually excluded women from the conversation of, and have actually just been really harmful to the narrative of, of, of what it means to be a woman and, and leadership and how that plays out in not only the workplace, but in roles and decision-making and leadership. I'm sorry, that was a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. that's, and I have a few follow-up questions. Are you working both at the level of within the native community, matriarchy and patriarchy? And and what is that? Because that's a different sort of set of challenges than the other challenge, which is working within a society that is based on white supremacy and and like the larger um, community beyond the Native American community. So how do you kind of separate those two out? Or is it all something that you work on at, at one time? I think it's kind of interwoven and intertwined. We understand a little more how the influence of colonization and Western systems of patriarchy have definitely influenced our communities and cultures. But we also get to remind our own selves and our community and our families and and our people that this is actually not how our traditional structures of kinship and family have have been. And we have to recognize that we're, we're working in multiple systems or like communities to challenge that. So yeah, I think it's like completely interwoven and stepping into this this position of of matriarch and you know just really kind of embodying that what does that mean that means we're going to hit those challenges not only within our own families and our own communities but even at, at like decision spaces of, of power okay and with your work around strengthening financial supports and security for for women entrepreneurs and women in general uh, you talked about you know the exploitative and and extractive systems how do you talk about or work with trying to do non-exploitative and non-extractive work within a capitalist system that does do that. So you're sort of trying to do something that is, you know, different from 
the system that you're operating within. So it's yeah. a, an inherent conflict right there. Absolutely. We definitely walk that, that line in acknowledging that capitalism has been very harmful to the world, to, communi- to our communities especially. So we're looking at different ways that businesses can be done that are actually creating solutions or solving problems. A lot of our network, what we're learning from the research that we're doing internally within our organization and our network is that a lot of women are actually motivated by skill set, passion, expertise, and community in solving a problem within their community. So we're trying to look at ways in which we can support them to not only close their own racial wealth gap, close that pay inequity that exists, speak to those strengths and passion and expertise and skill sets, and also honor their calling or purpose to create a solution or solve a problem within their community. But yeah, it's definitely something that we I guess that tension is always there, especially as we're operating within like nonprofits and finance, financial systems, you know, that that is always definitely there. And we also recognize that we are working in a system that was not designed or created for us, could have been designed to exclude us. And we have to challenge that system while we're working within it. So that's definitely very real and realized and felt. Mm. So good to to talk about this. I'm speaking with Jamie Glochet, co-director of Native Women Lead, and we'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups, coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work. But with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goals monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second-guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your well woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show with my guest, Jamie Glochet, co-director of Native Women Lead. And Jamie, we're going into the segment called Superpowers for Success, where Listeners get to know you a little better as a leader, as a woman, and hopefully learn from the things that you have learned in your life. So the first question I have for you is, what does success in life mean for you? Uh, Thank you. I feel like I'm barely figuring that out at 40 years old right now. And so I'm giving myself a lot of grace and compassion. Before it was definitely keeping a roof over my kid's head and food on the table and keeping a good job and at at least living paycheck to paycheck. But now it's actually ensuring that myself, my children, and my families and my community is in a state of well-being. My mental health, and I'm sure everybody else, or a lot of people in, in COVID and the pandemic has really been affected. So I'm definitely looking at that balance between living in joy and, and peace and also ensuring that I create a good quality of life for my children and generations to come. And that seems to include your work too, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's almost hard to separate it out at this point. 
Yeah, it is. It's definitely hard to separate it out. But what we've been intentionally trying to do within our work, even though we have a very specific entrepreneur focus, is see Indigenous women as their whole woman to see that we have needs beyond just finance or money or business technical assistance. So we're we're weaving in in our programming this year, restorative practices to center self-care, activating voice. So looking at what solutions or advocacy can we do at all levels within our in our communities and and state and nation. And we're also looking at a professional and personal development focus to ensure that individuals' goals, professional or personal, are met. And we've always tried to be inclusive of Native women who um, are caretakers, whether it's for children or elders or other family members. We recognize that Native women carry, and just women generally, carry so much work within their families and their communities, not only as advocates, caretakers, culture bearers, protectors, mothers, you name it, leaders. We try to understand and and know that women just carry such a such a huge amount. Mm-hmm. We wear many different hats. So we're we're trying to see them as caretakers and how how do you care for caretakers? That's really been our question this this past year. Exquisitely care care for caretakers as as one of my friends, Mejan, talks about exquisite care. Oh, I love that. Okay. And Jamie, when did you know you were really good at what you do? I feel like when I'm really passionate or inspired by something and I'm just ready to do the work and do the the brain thinking, that's always really helpful. That's really when I know I'm good at something. And But I always feel like I'm also open to learning and open-minded to know that I don't know everything and I may not be the best at everything and that's okay. Yeah. So your knowing comes from your connection to the, the passion about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and it's something that my guests on this show all answer that question so differently, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we end up talking about external validation as a way of knowing oh, that wow. you're good at something. And, and it's just really interesting that you didn't go there at all. That isn't a common answer to talk about, well, I got this, you know, award or I sold a book or I did all this, sort of this external, but you really focused right away on how you felt and how you connected to what you're doing and your work in the world. Thank you. I, I've never had that reflected back to me I, or, or, or known how people react to that question. I, I know a lot of people in, in, especially women of color spaces, talk about imposter syndrome. And I, I never resonated with that because it's something I felt like I never really felt. Um, but I also grew up as a very shy kid. Uh, sometimes I even felt really uncomfortable with being seen or being heard. And I felt like invisibility at some point was kind of a superhero strength as well, because I could navigate in many different spaces while still learning and absorbing. So a lot of, I think, and I think it's also like the humility, humility I've been taught in my own family and community to be very grateful for opportunity and access at times. And I've tried to teach that to my children. But for me, where, where I'm coming at now is I've, as I've grown older, just those things that really speak to my strengths and abilities and my heart especially the Native women lead work as my heart work. So that's always been my my kind of internal measure of, of success outside of anything external. Yeah. Okay. And Jamie, can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being so you can do everything that you do in the world? So I like to read to restore that kind of helps calm my brain to just focus on one thing or I, I do listen to podcasts or audible. Mm-hmm. I also like to hike. And I think being on the earth or 
grounding or just being in the open air is really helpful for my well-being. Uh, and then just to be able to physically exert my body in some way. And I like to go back to my ancestral homelands, which is both here in New Mexico. My grandma's from the Chaco Canyon area. And then my father's family is from the White Mountains in Arizona, which is Sonoran Desert all the way to the Aspen tree line. And I like to say that that land has always shaped me. So it's connection to the land and being in my ancestral homelands that always helps to restore me. Okay, good. And you may have talked a little bit about this already, but I wanted to ask you, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I think humor is one of my superpowers because just the joy of laughing and smiling and having community with other people who are laughing and smiling just really is, is medicine for me. And I don't know how it, I think it evolved from my, my dad's side of the family. They're, they're very funny people and we make fun of each other all the time and in jest and, and in love. So I always felt a resonance with that family because I always came back lighthearted from mm. my, my time with them. And I've noticed that in many spaces, whether professional, personal, with friends or, you know, with colleagues, I try to bring humor because it helps to really um, connect with people on just that basic human level and really lighten things, especially with the world so heavy right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And Jamie, what advice would you give your younger self, say 25 years old? To take time to think about the life you want to build. I never did that as a young mom. I had my son at 21 years old and it was just straight up as mentioned before, survive, get food on the table, work, pay the rent. I never gave myself that time or that love or that intention to really think about the life I want to build. And I'm finally doing that now. So that's, if I had 15 years <laughs> runway, I would have definitely told my younger self that. And I do tell my daughters that though. And how do you think that it is possible to be intentional about that and also be just simply trying to take care of the basics, like you said, like putting food on the table? How do you do both? I think having a um, a vision or or just that concept in your mind helps you at least have a path that you're looking forward to or you're walking on because before it was all reactive and just take whatever yeah. I it and, and, and day by day. But now as I'm getting older, it definitely feels like I can be intentional and very even strategic about, you know, the decisions I make, the choices I make. And it that actually feels much more empowering to feel like I have agency and I've, I have the autonomy to self-determine my own path forward. Yeah. Okay. And just a couple more questions as we wrap up, do you identify as a feminist? Yeah. And what does that mean for you? Uh, it means advocating for, for women or people who identify as women for women's rights. It means to me advocating for women to port their agency, their ability to make decisions and, and to choose the life and the path that they want, but also to protect them from harm and, and support them to have choice in, in their, in, in their bodies to, to, to protect and honor their own bodies. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Last question. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Oh, I have a bunch of things actually. How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong has always been a very influential book. It's, it's actually 
inspired a lot of the work that we're doing at Native Women Lead around safe space for Indigenous women. I have You Are a Badass. <laughs> I think by, I forget Jen, I forget her last Jen name. Jen Sincero, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because she like started in Albuquerque, which is yeah. interesting to learn. There's another book I'm listening on Audible. It's called Dear Sonali, Letters to the Daughter I Never Had. And mm. it's, I forget her name. The, it's the woman who was like on divorce court and she's writing to a daughter she never had about just practical things she's learned as a judge. Oh, wow. We'll find that and we'll link to all of those in the show notes for people who want to know what you're reading and uh, take those recommendations. And Jamie, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week, so be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.